If Body Count was the blackest metal band we've ever covered, we're about to cover all the whitest ones. It's Power Metal Week on the Metal Shop Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Metal Shop Podcast with me, Big Frog. And me, Mike Castleberry. And this week we are doing Power Metal. All right. Throw up the horns, man. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. You, you know, uh, with Power Metal, like, well, the first time that I ever heard the terms Power Metal was uh, two things. Metallica had a demo that was known as Power Metal because they like sent it out with their business card, which said Power Metal on it. Mm-hmm. So people were like, oh, this demo is called Power Metal. And then the other one was the Pantera album, Power Metal. Yeah, that, <laughs> that Pantera album, it's a cool album. Uh, yeah. that's, I think that's the first one with Phil in it. Um, but uh, that's, it's interesting because usually when a genre gets its name, um, it's named after like an album or something or like a, a band like death metal. It's all, right. it's, it's because death. Yeah. It's like it, death was the major start of that. Right. With uh, doom metal. It was uh, the first candle mass record. Uh, Epicus, Doomicus, Metallicus, you know? Right. But with power metal, it's funny. Cause I haven't quite, even watching little documentaries we have, I haven't quite gotten the, the origin of the term as we know it. Right. You know, um, previously it was like you said, there was like shit like that Pantera record, but that's not a power metal record. Right. At all. It's a glam metal thing. Right. So basically, you know, the, uh, in finding out what power metal is, you know, like, because like that guy, Sam Dunn said in his documentary, before trying to find out what power metal was, he didn't know what power metal was. Yeah. What I've found with a lot of, especially metal nerds, um, not everybody knows what power metal is, but they're real good at telling you what isn't power metal. <laughs> right, 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 for sure. 
basically there's certain elements that are involved that make something power metal. Like for example, fantasy lyrics. Mm-hmm. And that comes from, you know, the rainbow, you know, Dio school, right? So, uh, and then there's the sing-songy part of it where it comes from sort of like German beer halls and Iron Maiden and like soccer chants and shit like that. And then there's the classical uh, influences, which also come from Blackmore and then Ingve and so on. So, like, I'm liking all of the parents, right, of the, of the genre. I'm just not sure if I like the genre yet because I haven't explored all the bands and everything. Um, maybe that's because I played a lot of Dungeons and Dragons in high school. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so that's like it came, it's right up my alley. And like you said, its major influences are all bands that we really like. Right. It's like when we had done um, way, way, you know, way, way back, getting in the way back machine, when we did our episodes on uh, Blackmore and we did the Rainbow episode, um, I had mentioned that I felt that Rainbow Rising was like the uh, blueprint for pattern, power metal. For sure. And then when we watched, you know, a documentary, you know, that I sent you, um, that was one of the records that a lot of these power metal dudes went back to. They basically were like, oh, yeah, Rainbow and Dio because of those fantasy lyrics and the classical influence. One band that I didn't hear them talk about as an influence, but I feel like doesn't get enough respect for being part of it is actually Queen. Yeah, because I could see that. Where... There's definitely the classical influence there mm-hmm. and the symphonic stuff that they do or the operatic stuff like Bohemian mm-hmm. Rhapsody. But I think when people think of Queen, they think of We Will Rock You. They think of Bohemian Rhapsody. They think of, you know, We Are the Champions and stuff like that. Like their right. their little bit later 70s output into the 80s. Yeah. Those first two Queen records have a lot of uh, fantasy theme lyrics on them. Right. And, you know, you have songs, you know, like The Seven Seas of Rye and Ogre Battle and The March of the Black Queen and shit like that that are very fantasy. It's And they're coming out around the same time Rainbow is coming out. So right. you kind of have in, like, 70, 75, you have, like, Queen 2. I think it's 75, but... But you got like Queen 2 and uh, Richie Blackmore's Rainbow coming out at around the same time. So there's kind of, I just don't think uh, people think of it as much. But those, you know, that's it kind of says a lot about Brian May as a guitarist that he kind of has his thumb in like the prototype of a, a couple different genres. Mm-hmm. Like if you look at things like uh, Stone Cold Crazy. You know, the new wave of British heavy metal was influenced a little bit by, you know, by stuff like. Right. You know, I'm reading a a Judas Priest biography right now where uh, they're actually talking about how they were heavily influenced by the first couple of Queen albums. So in that sense, that even makes like one more step. Another um, part of the 
power metal thing is that they also sing about being metal, you know, yeah. which also comes from Judas Priest, which is like another step in that ladder. And it's funny that you said about um, liking power metal because like when I was trying to uh, play music and, and one of our bands was called Blacksmith and, you know, Lenny was like way into like writing songs about like the realm and shit you know so it was like i was i knew all about that shit and i would and and the epic ass long ass songs where i'd have to edit and edit and edit to get it so it could even like fit into a fucking song but um but yeah i mean you know i think the uh you know of course we wrote songs about other shit too you know but eventually there was like somewhere in the plan there was supposed to be like a uh like a concept album that would have been very much power metal, you know, for uh, for lack of a better uh, term at the time, which there wasn't one. You know, the thing about um, most of the most of these bands or a lot of these bands, I should say, is that like I like like if you if I heard one song from each of them, I would be like, fuck, that's a badass song, you know, or whatever. But kind of the fact that they don't really like diverge from that and the whole albums like that is a little bit much by the time I get to the end of it sometimes it's just like damn I'm fucking uh you know I'm sing songed out and shit um it's also man it's a fucking investment like <laughs> like just yeah. time wise because you know it's dependent on the band like when you're sitting down and listening to a record man it's just like 10 minute songs all over the place. And they're like three act songs that are yeah. like, they're, they're basically three songs that are in one. Right. Right. Which, like a trilogy. Yeah. But it's like, but it's still cool. But yeah, that's, I don't think I've really gotten through an entire power metal album from start to finish. Um, right. Because of stuff like that. Like at some point I just need a little bit of a break. It's like, you know, my introduction to power metal was uh, Dragon Force. Mm-hmm. And um, same story as, you know, most of my shit flipping through the metal stations on cable and Dragon Force pops up uh, through Fire in the Flames. Mm-hmm. And that's the one that got them really big because it's in Guitar Hero. And it's like, yo, did this guy speed his guitars up in, in the studio? Like nobody can play that fast. Like, right. nobody believed that it was real. It's like when you heard Ingve for the first yeah. time, where you're like, nah, that's how he fucking computer tricks or this and that. That's right. what everybody thought the first time they heard Dragon Force. In flames of dancing, turn the rain, we ride towards the fire. When the darkness is falling down, 
sometimes I've seen some people go like, oh, I saw them and no, they can't really play that <laughs> like that live. Right. But I've seen other people be like, nah, man, they fucking nail it live. So everybody has an off day, too. But yeah, because of that, you get sonically exhausted because, you know, which is kind of I know as a metal fan, it's like, oh, man, my ears get tired. I'm exhausted. But it's like. You can only hear riffs that are super fast and just shreddy solos that are super fast for so long before you kind of need to like do something else for a minute. Right. And yeah, but that was my introduction. I was like, oh, you know, Dragon Force is cool. And I like how they sing about fantasy lyrics. And then I find out, oh, they're considered power metal. But then you see a lot of guys that are super into power metal, like Dragon Force isn't power metal. Fuck up. They're power. Yeah, right. They're power pop. They're right. they're pop metal because, despite the fact that they do everything, all the the standard power metal bands do. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess power metal purists don't like them because they feel like the whole thing is sort of a piss take on power metal. Like they're mm-hmm. not really feeling it. They're not singing about you know, the evil one and this and that because they're really passionate about that. They're doing it right. because they're like nerds that like video games about shit like that. And right. they got so they got famous from Guitar Hero and right. they don't give props to the to the founders of Power Metal the way they should and they talk about when they formed their band, um, Herman Lee I uh, was saying, because he'd be in, in, like, you know, metalcore bands and death metal bands and shit like that. And he keep getting kicked out of bands because he's too shreddy, like, for them. Like, he's like, they're like oh, you need to tone it down. Your your solos are, all, are way too out there for what we're trying to do. So he was like, well, fuck it. Let's put, a, let's put together a band that all these guys will really fucking hate. so it was like all the shit that all the death metal guys and stuff would just fucking cringe at so it's kind of corny it's shreddy solos and then they're like well how can we make this cool and i think what got a lot of the the power metal fans bent is they they wanted to make power metal cool and one of the things they talked about is they said that a lot of these guys in power metal bands dressed fucking kind of goofy like, they all mm-hmm. dress like they're at the Ren Fair or something on stage. Right. And they're like, what if we just play this shit, but we're in, like, T-shirts and jeans and not, like, right. tunics, <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, with Dragon Force, it's one of those things. I, I watched a recent concert of theirs and uh, an older one. And, I mean... They do pull off most of that shit. The only thing I would say, it sounds different, obviously, because it's live. And to me, it sounds much better live. The way that they do it in the studio is like so fucking pro tools out. You know, it's fucking like really there's no um, there's no noise. There's no imperfections. It's like it's kind of all too easy and like for me with like with metal one of the things that makes it kind of like visceral that makes it like physical 
is like the fatigue involved. You know, like when fucking Halford's fucking screaming, it's like he's fucking, he's just going as high as he can. You know, like on Overkill fucking um, the Filthy Animal drums, he was playing as fucking fast as he could. You know, there's there's um, a part in, uh, I think it's um, Dirty Deeds, where Angus Young does this trill, and he's just like, He's doing these two notes and they're going, he's going up the neck, up the neck, up the neck, up the neck, up the neck. And by the end of it, he's fucking tired. And you can tell he's fucking tired. And he squeezes that last fucking note in there. And that all shit is like part of what makes fucking like heavy metal for me. And for these fucking guys, it's just like, it's too fucking easy, man. They're just like, <laughs> and, you know, fucking like smiling and fucking it ain't shit. So it's just like, I don't know. I, it's almost like I hating them for being too good. I don't know. <laughs> but it, it is something like it, there's a little bit of a disconnect there for me. I can I definitely get that. I'm kind of the same way where what I like so much about Motorhead is the imperfections. I like that it's dirty and rough. And mm-hmm. yeah, there's a clinical feeling, especially to especially to Dragon Force, no. at least in the studio. And, you know, that's the thing is when people talk about, oh, so-and-so can't play it live. They can't play it like they did on the record live. Mm-hmm. Like, who gives a shit? Like, yeah. it's like I, we talked about that before, where you get all these, like, dudes that are, like, a little too, a little too into, like, the process, and they're a little too into the the album version so they're like oh lars plays it wrong live or james played that part wrong and it's like i mean he it's his song however he plays it is the way to fucking play it at that moment yeah pretty much yeah for sure and that's and that's another thing that gets that is a problem like with metallica the problem was that they were thrash so if you're thrash you're supposed to play this fast all the time and so if you go slower than that they're like what the fuck and then the you know the riffs are supposed to be super precise in the drums if you don't do it perfectly right and it's like it's like the bands invented the shit and then the fans make up the rules for what the shit is or something you know and a lot of times the bands that even started the shit don't even fit into the shit by the time it's over oh for sure uh you know that's kind of what's so funny, like, especially when you go to power metal, I'd sent you that one video and I actually started getting annoyed by it by the end when they're doing the, uh, the definitive power metal listing thing. Oh yeah. And they're, it was an old list that this guy had made and they're revising it. And this is a thing I don't like about metal. I think, um, it's not what I don't like about metal. It's what I don't like about metal fans. Mm-hmm. Me and you, I feel like are kind of a little bit where, we're a little of that old school mentality where like metal is fucking metal, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's different types, but at the end of the day, it's all metal. And a lot of it's cool. And everybody just like, they need a fucking subgenre for everything. Yeah. Where, you know, when they're going over their list, they're talking about Nightwish, you know? And right. it's like, Oh, Nightwish was on it. But now we're thinking maybe Nightwish 
should be considered symphonic metal and not power metal, you know, stuff like that, where it's like, well, now there's a whole genre that we consider symphonic and maybe they fit into that more than that. And it's like, man, fucking who cares? Like, why, why Mm -hmm. are people so into labeling things and making sure like the more you break things down into this tiny little fucking box, the more you just piss yourself off when they stray from it, you know, when it's like, well, I decided you're symphonic folk goth metal and you didn't sing about vampires as much on this album. So what the (laughs) fuck, you know? Right. So it's kind of a, a, just a side tangent for me. I think, I feel like we've probably gone on these tangents before, but uh, some things going back to the influences, um, some of the influences when they really were digging into it, I didn't expect, um, I didn't expect uh, uh, part of it. You know, they talked about the the, the uh, uh, Uli Roth era Scorpions being right. a big influence, but that was it was less for the style that they're playing. Although Uli Roth is fucking sick, and mm-hmm. a lot of he did inspire a lot of guitarists. Mm-hmm. It was more that a lot of these guys are from like Germany and countries like that. Mm-hmm. So the Scorpions blowing up really opened the door for a lot of European, more European acts instead of, because right. before that metal, it was like, it was a UK thing uh-huh. and it was an American thing. Right. So when Scorpions start blowing up, it's like, Oh, we got this German metal band that's gotten big. And then except comes right. after that. And it's like, Oh, they're even heavier. Right. And especially for the time, because like, us not having been there, we don't like really uh, have the same sense of where the fucking whole world hated fucking Germans, fucking Nazis, fucking all that shit. And they had to kind of like change the perception of that, you know, where, no, you know, we're, we're the good guys. We're, you know, we come with guitars instead of tanks. That was, you know, like that. <laughs> that was my favorite uh uh rudy shanker quote from that and it's yeah it's like no we're we're, we're showing you that we're the new germans we come with guitars yeah. instead of tanks yeah. <laughs> you know yeah but that's true there's a very interesting thing where when you think of germany people think of either like hello usa like yeah. then you think of like yeah. these super happy like beer hall right. germans right. that are just like so good to see you like they're yeah. just super happy and yeah. that's like we come to fuck your women yeah <laughs> all right <laughs> get out of here germany <laughs> yeah but uh that's like you said um one of the things they talked about that beer hall style where people like to get drunk and chant and sing along all these beer hall songs that's not as big of that's not really as much of a thing in the states right but that's definitely big in europe the only time you're going to see that in the states is if you go to a very specific like a specifically a uh, themed tavern or something out here that's supposed to mimic like a German beer hall or right, you know, go to like Shakespeare's pub or something or right. Maybe, maybe I guess a closer thing would be like going to the shout house and they have the guy on piano singing a bunch of hit songs. <laughs> yeah. Everybody gets drunk to sing along to. Hell yeah. And some of the bands that come out of Germany are like Halloween, which I really like. Mm-hmm. 
Guardian, which actually I, I was looking on this list because in, in you know in coming up with why some of these bands weren't very accessible to us out of all of these bands um, besides Dragon Force of course uh, only Blind Guardian has been to San Diego almost none of these other bands have ever played in San Diego so it's like you know unless you like really seek them out, you know, or whatever, it's, it's kind of hard to, you're not going to find these bands on accident. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're not going to end up at a show and be like, Oh fuck, you know, uh, uh, fucking beer hall broke out at the fucking brick by brick, you know, or whatever. So, um, so yeah, like blind guardian played here twice. And as far as, and, and dragon force, you know, this comes with bigger bands and yeah. shit like that. They'll so, come with bigger um, bands, or they'll play the uh, the House of Blues or something. Sometimes, right, right. But most of these bands don't, don't come around. Um, the other German bands, uh, like, are Ed Guy and that guy, the guy from Ed Guy, he's Tobias something. Yeah, he's also uh, the dude Tobias Samet. He's also the dude who started uh, Avantasia, which like. You said earlier we were talking about it's kind of like an all-star project where he like brings guys in and it's really trippy shit. Yeah, Avantasia I feel like is the the ultimate fulfillment of <laughs> power metal. This is the that's the that's the end end of it. You can't get more than what Avantasia does, and it's you know they actually 
I mean, they call them they're for, in you know their Wikipedia article. You know, they say it's like oh, it's power metal, it's symphonic metal, but it's like a metal opera is what mm-hmm. he calls it, and it's just every fucking thing. It's everything you 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 both like and dislike <laughs> of power metal taken to its ultimate extreme. Right. And it's interesting to listen to. It took me a minute because I didn't I didn't come around. I didn't listen to them until today. And you're like, uh, those are terrible band names. But uh, yeah, Aventasia is OK. Apparently it's uh, he smashed together Avalon and Fantasia. Okay. And that's how he got came up with Aventasia. I don't know what Ed guy. I feel like that's probably something that's like I feel like it's probably not not pronounced Ed guy. Yeah, uh, probably not. Uh, Probably not. But there's no pronunciation on Wikipedia for me to work off of it, you know. Right. But it's... uh, (laughs) Yeah. So it's Ed Guy until further notice. Yeah. Every time I see something like that, I think of like Ed Force One or something to do with Eddie. Yeah. Yo, but... That's like the bootleg Eddie. (laughs) That's Ed Guy. Ed Guy. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh... (laughs) But, um... Yeah, well, apparently the dude Tobias was like fourteen when he started that band. Jeez, but uh, yeah. you know, <laughs> I I did find with power metal, um, it's interesting because you're gonna see both the fucking coolest album artwork mm-hmm. and the worst album artwork. <laughs> right, right, and I feel like most of it trends towards cool. They tend to get, like, I don't know who the artists they get for these, but it's always some, like, really, there's usually some very, really intricate, like, artwork, and, like, they get, like, a real painter to do, like, all this crazy shit, like, um, like the Stradivarius uh, Destiny album is really impressive, and this and that.
But then you also get shit like a lot of uh, a lot of Man of War album covers. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, like the ones you're talking about, usually. Again, it's that European influence of, you know, growing around, growing up around, you know, Renaissance shit and museums and fucking, you know, paintings in the fucking uh, chapels and all that kind of shit. It's like it's it's within you. And I'm sure that they have, you know, artists around that can do that shit. Whereas, you know, Man of War's American and, you know, our, you know, our uh, idea of culture is a bit different. But uh, we have, you know, we do have the American power metal type of movement, which is like Man of War, um, very metal. I used to really like Virgin Steel back in the days. But again, they were East Coast, so they would like play in the East Coast and then do a tour of Europe. Play on the East and they never would come out here. Yeah. So again, bands I've never seen. You know, that's the thing. It's during that time period. Um west coast was dominated by glam mm-hmm. and shit so these guys are like well i'm not gonna make any money coming out west you know? right if you know everybody is just into poison and this and that like it's like how even metallica they had to leave la because mm-hmm. they didn't fit into the scene there you know they're right. getting booed by all these dudes that were into like you know motley crew and shit like that they like thought they're a punk rock band or something <laughs> yeah but uh yeah. so yeah there wasn't a there wasn't a market out here sadly um but it is interesting though because america we we're i don't want to say we're uncultured but we have a way of taking things and kind of fucking it up and making it a little too stupid <laughs> Yeah. Where European power metal bands, they're they're pulling from fantasy and all that, but they're also they're pulling from folklore from their countries, from mm-hmm. you know. So that's like legends and stories, and you know, from from where they come from. Right. So when you got a British power metal band writing songs about King Arthur it resonates a little bit more with them because those are stories from their country. Those are the legends of the founding of Britain and stuff like that. Whereas man of war is like, dude, you know, it's fucking sick. Conan, the barbarian. What if we made a band that was all Conan, the barbarian. And the problem is, is it's so, it's so hyper macho that, you know, we found out that, you know, when you look at those covers, I was joking before saying, you know, the line between uh, power fantasy and homoeroticism is yeah. very fucking thin. So it's like, it's hard to, it's, you can't have a Man of War DVD or something sitting out without someone going like, yo, <laughs> is that like gay porn? No. Right. It's, are you sure? Because it has man in the title too. Like, <laughs> yeah. But it's like when I had my, um, when I used to collect wrestling DVDs, um, right. and they had the uh, the history of world class championship wrestling with Kerry Von Erich and all that, guys like that, the cover was just a bunch of shirtless Von Erichs. So it's yeah, a bunch oiled of up. oiled up shirtless dudes. <laughs> and my brother's girlfriend's like, 
so. And I'm like, look. You know, everybody says wrestling is gay, and this DVD is not helping right now. Right. <laughs> you know. Yeah, like, for sure. And that's the problem is, like, you know, when. Can you imagine? Like, that's the thing is. During the time Manowar first came out, imagine trying to make fun of bands like Poison and be like, that shit's mm. gay. Those guys mm. are gay as hell. This. Yeah. <laughs> this ain't. This is awesome. This is awesome. <laughs> and that's way gayer looking. Because yeah. Manowar, their, tar- their audience is dudes mostly. Like, mm-hmm. I'm sure they were doing all right for themselves, but. People are cracking on poison for you know the makeup and the hair, but they're fucking all the time. Yeah, and I feel like the the pickings were a little slimmer at a Manowar concert. <laughs> for sure, but you know what? The thing about those dudes is like they seem to like have talked themselves into that they're like really those guys, you know? Because like uh, that that Sam Dunn dude was talking about, you know, he had like booked you know an interview with them or whatever but then like didn't show up like they couldn't be bothered or whatever you know like they're these huge stars or whatever and i just feel like to them like they look at any other band and and they're like yeah we're like way more metal than you yeah every one of us has heard the call brothers of true metal Proud and standing tall We know the power within us Has brought us to this all There's magic in the metal There's magic in us all Heavy metal I mean, when I look at them, at least in their prime, I'd probably pick Man of War in a fight. Like, <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, yeah. If they brawled dudes, but then again, some of those bands that everybody thought were kind of fruity, fucking Motley Crue, they could fight. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, they had to fight a lot. You know, people who's like bashing them and calling them this and that. Yeah, they had to fight. That's still what I like. We're getting off topic, but that's one of my favorite stories from like Metallica's L.A. days, because you know. Motley Crue are like trying to be like, hey, we're all a big metal family, right? And right. Metallica wasn't about that. So like when Tommy Lee and Vince Neil or something were outside a club on the Sunset Strip, I guess James and Lars and everybody were walking by and you know, Tommy Lee was like, Hey man, Metallica, you guys fucking rip. Like they liked them. And yeah. 
Metallica just like bottles at him and shit. And we're like, fuck <laughs> off, pussies! Like, yeah. that kind of shit. And then they almost yeah. got their ass kicked by, <laughs> by Motley well, Crue. <laughs> well, that is the, uh, that is the, um, one of the uh, credos of Manowar is death to false metal. You know, so that's been a thing ever since. Well, um, yeah. well, that's what I thought was funny is because they came up with that death to false metal and they don't consider themselves power metal. They call themselves true metal. Yeah, true metal. And that's right. Yeah, they're about it. That's the thing. That's that's the other thing I found. Um, the American take on power metal is where you find more of the being really about metal as a concept right. yeah. more so than the European ver- flavor. Like the European flavor is almost entirely fantasy based they right. don't have a bunch of songs about how awesome metal is which yeah it's fine you know sometimes i like a good song that just is like you know what metal is awesome let's write a song about how much we love metal <laughs> you right. know and yeah for sure those sometimes are the best songs <laughs> yeah that's what i that's why um kill em all is so fun like half the songs are just about how cool metal is exactly you know? exactly that's the party Metallica album. Right. You know, at first, uh, when Queensryche came out, they would have fit into the power metal uh, genre had there been one at the time with the high vocals, with, you know, singing about, you know, the Queen and the Reich and, you know, these yeah. abstract things or whatever. So they would have pretty much fit in. Like I say, I like that shit, you know, and I really especially like the roots of it. But then now, like, there's American bands that are kind of trying to do the Euro thing, kind of like um, Camelot. Have you seen them? Have you, have you uh, checked? I, I do like Camelot. They're fun. Uh, to me, it's like a little bit kind of um, like over theatrical or over. It's almost like I would love it if it was like part of an episode of like um, Game of Thrones or something. Or, you know, uh, something like that. But it's it's almost, it's kind of like, I don't have like a, any kind of an emotional connection to it. It's just kind of like I'm watching something, kind of going, huh, that's interesting. Yeah. Well, I think, that's why I think like bands like Camelot and stuff, like the ones that are like from America, um, I think maybe part of the disconnect is because there's less of that connection to the source material right you know like you know as opposed to bands like you know hammerfall and shit like that where they're digging like i said they're digging into the folklore from their countries um which is why it's so big in eastern europe especially um compared to out here it's more they're inspired by fantasy literature right whereas European power metal, they're inspired by the stories that inspired the fantasy literature. Like, they would have, they're into the shit that Tolkien was inspired by when he wrote The Lord of the Rings, whereas bands out here are inspired by Tolkien. Right. So it's that, right. it's more fantastical. Uh, I mean, it's all pretty fantastical, but we, do, we don't really have legends about dragons and wizards and shit. <laughs> right, right. Um, so like the 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 American equivalent would be like it you know if down the line there's some symphonic band that all their lyrics is about like American folklore 
So it's just songs about Bigfoot and George Washington or something. <laughs> Which, yeah, Patriot Metal is coming. <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah, you know, I mean, it would be, like, interesting if you had, like, a Mexican power metal band that was just, like, all about being an Aztec, you know? That would be fucking tight. I could get into fucking that. That would be sick. Yeah. Because the Aztec, the Aztec legends are badass, you know. Oh, hell yeah. Or, you know, the same thing, you know, any of the tribes here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's that one, uh, there's that one Indian band, uh, was it fucking Warhawk or some shit? Warpath. Warpath, Warpath, yeah. I've seen them. They're pretty crazy. They're pretty, they're pretty sick band. It's, uh, I mean, you know, it's more thrash, but it's, it's sick. It's sick. Uh, I did go over, I didn't get through all of it. What I did was, um. I decided to pull up a list that was like the 25 greatest power metal albums of all time. Right. Uh, And then I decided to kind of look at the top 10 a little bit closer. I mean, honestly, what's funny is all the bands that I like made the list, obviously. Mm. The funny thing is, is um, it's... Some of them are al- albums that I don't consider my personal favorite of them. Now, like okay. like twenty, like number twenty five was Avantasia, the Metal Opera. They had uh, Nightwish with Wishmaster, which I've listened to that one, and that's probably the Nightwish album I like the least, right? Because it's too opera-y. Because it, uh, the original singer um, is Tarja or whatever her name is. She has a yeah. very good voice, but it's very opera. Right. And she leans super hard into it on that particular record. Um, Queensryche actually made the list at number 13 with the warning. There you go. <laughs> so there you go. before Operation Mind Prime. Uh, but when we got to the top 10, I was just going to read them off real quick. But uh, so you can mention if you listen to them. Right. Like because they had Dragon Force Valley of the Damned, which was the okay. first Dragon Force album. Uh, Hammerfall, Legacy of Kings. I love Hammerfall. Like legitimately, that's a fan. That's a band that I could be like a fan of, you know. And I've seen their concerts, and they're kick ass, dude. Yeah, I think they're 
might be my favorite power metal band that I just going off of what I've been listening to the last couple of weeks to get more into it. Cause I, I, I listen to songs instead of bands. Yeah. Usually. And, uh, but then they had a uh, sabotage hall, the mountain King Stradivarius destiny. I like Stradivarius. Um, they, again, they're over the top, but I like like all the instrumentation. I like the keyboards, uh, which is rare for me to say, but I've always liked um, Jens Johansson yeah. but with, from the Ingve days. And he's like one of those dudes that really could hold his own with the guitar player. And so I like them where, to the point where I would like go see them if they came because it would, it's such an interesting show, even though some of the parts I'm just going to be like, oh, geez, <laughs> you know, but still, I really do like them. I, I enjoy them quite a bit also. I'm on the same boat as you with uh, Jens Johansson. If you recall, I put him in one of my fantasy bands when we did that episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was my technical ecstasy band. Uh, there you go. But, um, yeah, he's currently in uh, Rainbow. Uh, so he's the one dude in the new version of Rainbow that I feel is, like, up to snuff with previous versions of Rainbow. <laughs> yeah, right, um, exactly. He's very... It's funny because even though he's in Rainbow, he's got to play a lot of purple stuff. And he's very in the mold of John Lord. Oh, yeah, totally. And I fucking love John Lord. Um, Me too. He's one of those dudes. It's like you said, there's not... I don't usually like that much keyboard in a song, but I'm realizing something. I think we need to make a distinction between Mm -hmm. keyboardists and... Guys like John Lord and Jens Johansson, where they play like the electric organ, mm-hmm. because it's a very different sound. Yeah. Um, then you know, you know, it's you know the dueling solos on uh, Highway Star are very different from like you know the Final Countdown. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. So for sure. Yeah, and then there's also those bands that just use like keyboards as like a you know it's not really it's just I don't even know what that's really for. It's just almost just like to pop it up, yeah, you know. But so I don't really like that style of keyboards. If the keyboard's gonna add something to the song, then yeah, you know. Yeah, it's kind of like how Bruce Dickinson was talking about in a thing I was watching. Where he likes to have the little bit of keyboard flavor in some uh, in Maiden songs, right? But the keyboardist is the is like the guitar tech. Yeah, he's the bass tech. Yeah. yeah, so it's like he's not in the band, and that's his. Bruce is like, I don't want a keyboardist in the band because if they're in the band, then they want to get more of their shit in. He's like, I yeah. like a sprinkling of it, not so pronounced. But uh, what? I pretty much agree with that. Unless I got a virtuoso guy, then yeah. But if it's not going to be that, then like like Bruce said, a little here and there is yeah. fine. It's always like kind of like an extra member of the band that doesn't give any love. Like the dude that played uh, played uh, keyboards for Sabbath, you know. Right. He was never like really on stage, but he was there. And he was poor, more prominent in some of the later Sabbath songs, too. Yeah. You know the new the newer uh, trend towards um, keyboards is now having like a guy 
who can kind of play rhythm guitar on some songs mm-hmm. and handle the keys on other songs. Kind of like a utility guy. Yeah. That's what Michael Schenker has. And uh, Uli Roth has a guy like that. So a lot of, you know, you got to um, have more than one talent nowadays just to be a side guy in some bands. Yeah. So what I was going to say, going back to when I want to make that distinction between keyboardists, uh, what it really boils down to is I really dig the sound of the Hammond organ. And right. that's what gets used on, uh, like, you know, that's what John Lord played and shit like that, where mm-hmm. it's not keyboardy. It's a electric organ. It's got a, a tone yeah. and vibe all its own right. that really complements Whereas a lot of times when you put keyboards into a song, it takes away, you know, I don't like when, like, you know, when Def Leppard did that re-release of bringing on the heartache and added that shitty ass keyboard to it. Right. Um, yeah. White snake has done that a million times. It worked for here. I go again. though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, I guess, you know, that they've they found that there was money attached to those keyboards. I'm guessing that's not as big of an issue anymore, but yeah, that's where uh, Dio first time he added keyboards with, uh, you know, Rainbow in the Dark. He was a little worried that it was too keyboardy, you know, which I remember watching a documentary about that. My brother was like calling bullshit. (laughs) Yeah. He's like, bullshit, you fucking put it in the song. Obviously, you thought it was going to work. <laughs> right, right. What's funny now is uh, Last in Line on this last tour that they did, um, they didn't have a keyboardist. Yeah. And they just played the songs without the keyboards. And they really sound good. Like, I, I didn't miss them. Uh, I think, and it's not like you don't recognize the song, because you do. It's just... Um, yeah, I really didn't miss that because I don't really like the way, I mean, for as much as I love Dio and everything that he did, his use of keyboards was not like the style that I like of use of keyboards. Yeah. All right. So going, for, you know, back to our top 10 here. Yeah. Jezebel Hansen got a lot of love today. Uh, yeah. And it's, I keep, I'm still not sure how you're supposed to pronounce it because I see some people say Jens and some people say Yins. And yeah. I think it's probably Yins. Probably. Johansson, you know. Yeah. Uh, then you got Manila Road, Open the Gates. Uh, Manila Road's pretty cool. They're definitely that very early power metal. It's before it was really a genre. Right. But I didn't listen too much to them, to be perfectly honest. Uh, right. Gamma Ray, Land of the Free was number five. So Gamma Ray is the dude who was originally in uh, Halloween. And he starts his own band, so that's Gamma Ray. Mm-hmm. And at the when they first, when he first started Gamma Ray, I guess people were saying that it sounded too much like Halloween. But since then, they've kind of diverged a little bit.
Gamma Ray does have that component of like being very metal, I think. Yeah. Well, I, I always, what's funny to me is um, Gamma Ray, I really dig Gamma Ray. They're right up there with metal, uh, power metal bands for me also. Um, of all the bands, you know, that, you know, are power metal and everything else, Gamma Ray has like the least power metal sounding name. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, because it's like when I think of Gamma Rays, I think of the Incredible Hulk. Totally. Um, so it's kind of funny that uh, that's what he came up with. Yeah, he's one of the founders of Halloween. And it is kind of funny, like you said, it's like, well, that sounds too much like Halloween. It's like, well, if you're the founder of another band, <laughs> your yeah. shit's going to kind of sound like it. You know, it's like when uh, that dude from Creedence Clearwater Revival got sued for plagiarizing himself. Uh, right, right. <laughs> Yeah, because he didn't own the old song anymore. Yeah. Ain't that a bitch? Yeah, they're like, oh, you. he's like, wait, I'm copying me? Yeah, that's yeah. just my style. That's how I sound. Yeah. That's how I write yeah. songs. I'm copying me, and that's a problem for you. Yeah, but he ended up winning yeah. that lawsuit, at least. Yeah. I guess they decided, good, yeah. you know, it doesn't matter who owns the rights. They, you know, you can't really copy yourself uh, like right. that. I mean, you can, everybody makes shit that's derivative of themselves, but you can't sue them for it. But, uh, totally. Number four was Man of War, Hail to England. Um, there you go. I dig it. I actually like that one less than uh, other Man of War albums. Actually, I don't like the production on it. It just it sounds a little rough, like and not in that fun way. It just sounds like it was recorded quickly and cheaply to me. Yeah. But uh, what's funny uh, is the fact that. You know, they came up, they did the, the album Hail to England because despite the fact all the dudes in Manowar are American mm. and from New York, they all met in London. Um, oh, shit. They were all, uh, you know, they they were all like over in England because that's where like the metal scene was uh, for what they're trying to do at the time. So a bunch of American dudes ended up meeting in Europe and they formed their band. So that's why they were like, oh, let's write a Hail to England. You know, it's it's a love letter to the band that, you know, to the country that we met, that we all met and formed at. Um, so that's a fun little factoid. Right. You know, one funny thing about a Man of War is it's really hard to get any like concert footage of them. Like, I guess they want to make it. So if you want to see them, you got to go see them, you know, or whatever. So I haven't been able to, um, watch too many concert things of theirs, but their videos are hilarious. <laughs> I don't know if you see, you got to go back and get, see some, uh, man of war videos. They're too much. Some of them I've seen, but yeah, they're, uh, I get that. Like, it's like how tool is very hard to find concert footage of tool. Yeah. But you'd think you'd want some of it out there to, like, inspire people to want to spend that money on that ticket. Right. You know, and right. not just assume, like, because if, like, I don't care if there's, like, if there's all the footage in the world of a band and I think they're sick, I'm going to go see them. I right. want to see, because watching that video is not the fucking same as being there. So, like, no. I want, like, I can watch, you know, I can watch Ghost all I want. It's not going to get across like 
you know, the smell of the incense when they burn incense at one point. And right, and yeah. Remind me of being stuck at church as a kid, you know. <laughs> right, yeah. But, uh, yeah it, it does have, like, some kind of a recall. Like, you know, shit, this, this smell reminds me of something else. Yeah. And yeah, totally, totally. That's true. Well, that's the thing. Smell and uh, smell and music. They're they they bring back the most uh, memories. Hmm. It's very it's weird that memory is really really strongly linked to that. Like you can just smell a certain thing, and it'll take you back to something. Like there's right. You know, like when I smell like super chlorinated water, um, I immediately think of when I'm waiting in line at Disneyland to go on Pirates of the Caribbean. Because right. that's it smells like that, and there's that little slight mustiness to it when you're waiting in line totally. and the water's all there. So I always yeah. think of that. But uh, let's get through here. So huh. number three on this list that was uh, uh, louder, uh, loudersound.com. So some random site. You know, this isn't the all-encompassing list, but <laughs> uh, number three was Blind Guardian. Imagine uh, imaginations from the other side. Uh, we already know how much you love Blind Guardian. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're a trip. They're a trip. They're cool. That they're you know they're over the top. I like the way like the keyboardist like when they play live, he flips his keyboard up so that you can see it from the front, mm-hmm. like so you can see what he's playing and shit, and he goes off. You know, so there's things I like about them. They're yeah. cool. You know, uh, it's just a lot. Yeah. Uh, number two was Rhapsody, Dawn of Victory. Um, I forgot to get around to listening to Rhapsody, actually. Yeah, I think it's Rhapsody of Fire. Is it? Or no, I think that's it's just, oh, it's just Rhapsody. Rhapsody. I think there's okay. another band named that, though. So. Okay. Yeah. See, that's the. There's so again, God, the the well's got to be so dry for names to, anymore. It's like shit. Yeah. No shit. Yeah. And you know, I can't even name a band Ed Guy now. <laughs> right. <laughs> Because speaking of uh, speaking of uh, Disneyland, there's a band called Magic Kingdom. Oh, good. You know, which over there probably makes you think of something else, but over here is obviously fucking Disneyland. Oh yeah, that's literally like yeah. the the you know the park that's the Disneyland equivalent in Orlando, Florida, is the Magic Kingdom. You right. know, in Walt Disney World, so that is definitely you know what's also funny. Speaking of that little Disney thing, is uh. uh it's still there in Spring Valley. There's that uh, porn shop, uh, Fantasyland. Oh, yeah. And I just think of Disneyland. <laughs> right, yeah. Where, yeah. They, well, now, I've, now they, I go to Disneyland, I think of porn, I guess. But Right. They didn't even move to accommodate the freeway. Like, they had to build the freeway around those motherfuckers. Yeah, the, uh, the, porn, sh- <laughs> the, the porn shop and uh, Little Darlings both did not yeah. move. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They had to make that route, that uh, road accommodate them, which is funny because, you know, we're getting a little too in, into the weeds with some of this. But growing <laughs> up, I remember going down uh, Sweetwater Road and uh, heading to Lemon Grove for shit. And there was the porn shop off to the right, you yeah. know, but they had to move it. So now when you go by it, it's off to the left <laughs> because yeah. of the yeah. way they did all the work worked all the roads around it but it's like yeah, yeah. i remember when it was on the right when you went down that yeah. road because that was the first and time you, i tried to sneak in when i didn't have an id uh, yeah it used to look more like sinister before yeah 
Now it just looks like a warehouse kind of in the middle of nowhere or yeah, whatever. Yeah, it's still sad. <laughs> I don't want to go in there, man. I don't. Yeah, it, lo- it looks super sad, though. I don't need to. I don't. That's the thing, man. Porn stops. The ones that are still around, it's like with all the free Oof. porn out there, yeah. there's still those dudes that need to make eye contact with the cashier. <laughs> yeah, they're looking for something else. That's that old grandpa. That's the one where I went. I remember going in there when I when turned 18 and me and my friends had IDs. And we're like, well, let's go to the porn <laughs> shop. We can finally go in. And I still remember my buddy being like, oh, cool. They got an arcade. And I'm like, I didn't, no. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, he just came running back. It's just a jerk off loose. I'm yeah. like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. What did you think? They had fucking Street Fighter in there, man? Like <laughs> <laughs> some kind of porn video games. Yeah. So, yeah. Here, you're ready for number one on this random website's all time greatest power metal albums is a Halloween Keeper of the Seven Keys Part Two. Right. And those two albums are supposed to be like really the blueprint albums for what power metal would become. I, I definitely, I think that, you know, Halloween, they took their, they took the blueprint of, you know, Rainbow and uh, Iron Maiden, turned it up like they, uh, like I heard people describe Halloween as Maiden on speed. Uh, yeah. Turned that up. And then in the nineties when power metal started becoming a thing, because there's always a genres keep popping up as a pushback against another genre. Whereas, Mm -hmm. you know, when punk rock got big, it was this rebellion against, you know, dinosaur rock. Then metal got big again as kind of a pushback against like punk rock and new wave. Mm -hmm. And then you have thrash, you know, thrash, coming as a pushback against glam metal Mm -hmm. and then you have shit like you know grunge pushing back against glam also and killing off so many fucking metal bands in the process then the bands that did survive you start getting all the extreme bands so you have like all the black metal bands and this and that and then power metal became a pushback against kind of that because the 90s was so doomy and gloomy in all the music that they're like Remember when metal was fun? Right. Let's have a good time. Yeah. So bands like Hammerfall kind of popped up and they were kind of looking back at bands like Halloween, you know. Right. And that's right. kind of, I feel like Halloween is kind of like the the OG of what you'd really consider power metal. Right. Um, When you start retroactively adding bands to it. I feel like Hammerfall is kind of like the, the OG of like the new, like, this is power metal scene. Right. Um, where right. they really just went all in on that. And now it's like power metal. Now people are like, well, where, where is it? Where can it go now? And obviously it's shit like Avantasia. <laughs> um, right. But it's also as much as people don't, don't like some people don't like it. It's bands like dragon force. It's, you know, right. Bands like Nightwish. you know, they're kind of the next, that, that, the next evolution that happened in that. And right.
I don't know if there's going to be another evolution in the genre or if like it's just going to kind of peter out. Um, right. I feel like a lot of those new wave of traditional heavy metal bands are also kind of very power metal-y, but, you know, they don't quite consider themselves that, so. Right. Yeah, you know, it's fun. I have a good idea for a, like, a way you could do power metal without it being kind of so repetitive. And that would be, like, if you created a character, like a knight or some type of a soldier or whatever, and then you wrote songs, like, from his perspective. So some of them would be, like, you know, about duty and honor and, you know, going off to war and whatever. But then some of them could also be, like, oh, you know, I'm looking for wenches tonight or i'm going you know i'm at the ale house or like you know different kind of shit that you know somebody fucking tried to jack my sword or like you know some kind of weird shit that could happen kind of more from a so you can still tell the type of stories that like a band would tell of like being on the road or like being but you could give them like a fantasy like slant yeah, I something like that. I feel like if that was gonna happen, like Bruce Dickinson would have written it. <laughs> yeah, that that would be perfect for Bruce. Like, yeah, he's a today. He's fucking having a sword fight, and fucking whatever. Yeah, yeah, totally. That would be Bruce likes to write from awesome. the first person a lot. <laughs> he does. He does. Yeah, and you know what? And Bruce, like, and you know, it was funny because when we were talking about the influences of this. And we're talking about Iron Maiden being an influence for power metal. It's the Bruce Iron Maiden, not the Diano Iron Maiden. That don't have nothing to do with this. Yeah. But once Bruce joined, then it became more power metal-y, like that day. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's the, well, yeah, because they're like him and Halford are kind of the blueprint for the vocalists. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And Diano is not. So. Right. And Diano. As bizarre as it is, when I don't, I don't really like Bruce singing Diano songs that much. Mm-hmm. I don't want to see Paul Diano sing about fucking Bruce shit. I don't want to see Paul <laughs> fucking singing about flying an airplane. <laughs> yeah, no, that wouldn't work. Or you know, singing yeah. about Dune. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, see, I guess, you know, that's why I guess just things sometimes work out, you know, and uh, and whatever. Because, you know, like you say, it's one of those little things, like if Bruce never joins, is like, that's one, power metal would be different than it is now. Probably wouldn't necessarily have that sing-songy, you know, that Iron Maiden brought to that, you know. Um, another thing, too, that that this is where it gets to the parts of, of a power metal that I don't really like is when they start to use like the uh, keyboards to like mimic like flutes and lutes and <laughs> like other like Renaissance type of instruments. That's when it gets a little bit too like maybe for a song or two I could be like, oh, that's kind of cool. But if it's if it's a motif that's like repeating, that's like yeah, no. Next week you're gonna fucking bust some bagpipes out or what yeah. the fuck. You know, well, that's the thing. Avantasia fucking heard your criticisms on that. I'm like, fine, we'll get a whole fucking orchestra all the time, <laughs> big frog. And yeah. you're like, oh, I don't yeah. necessarily like that that much either. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know, yeah, maybe I just see. don't like flutes in, in my metal. 
Yeah, flutes and lutes. Yeah, yeah. that's kind of what it is. It's like you know, uh, Avantasia is like, oops, all lutes. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no, uh, nah, that's why you don't like. Uh, that's why Blackmore's Night never resonated with you. <laughs> yeah, you know, because if it was anything, I mean, it was one of those things that I sat down, like, said, okay, I want to like this. I'm gonna want to like this because you know, fucking Richie. But nah, nah. It took so, a lot of the concepts from Rainbow, but then took away all the cool parts of it and yeah. just left the remains, like the, the yeah. desiccated skeleton of what Rainbow was. So <laughs> it's like, yeah. oh man, you know, you know how he kind of hinted towards that kind of instrumentation and played with it, but it was still guitar. Like, what if he just did that? Like, what if it was right. just on a loop? And right. what if? Instead of having guys singing high, it's just a chick. Yeah. And, and then they're, and they have costumes. Yeah. And, I, you know, <laughs> I like Candace. Uh, I almost said Candace Owens. I don't like that bitch. Mm. Uh, <laughs> no, I like uh, Candace Knight. She's a very, she's very good. She's a good singer. I just, yeah. I'm not a fan of the music so much, but, you know, that's. I think it's... It's on Richie. That's on Richie. Well, no, that's... Yeah. Fuck, man. She has a, a golden pussy or something. Cause yeah. Dude, well, I mean, you know, she's a youngster compared to him. That's uh, always alluring. You no, know, I said that before. Uh, that's the first time a dude's ever put down a guitar to get pussy. Like, <laughs> Yeah, that's shit. But, um, you know, what's a, a trip about that is, you know, you know, at some point Dio had to have heard some of the Blackmore's Night shit. <laughs> and you know he had to have been like, what the fuck? I ended yeah. up leaving the band because you got out of the whole, like, you wanted to do this top 40 shit. Right. You didn't want to do the mysticism and the medieval shit. And you were getting right. away from the classical shit. And now it's just that. Right. To this so, massive extreme. Right. So back then it must have been just been like self-loathing. Yeah, well, he really wanted to, like to be a mainstream hit, and yeah. you know it had to chap his ass when, I mean, Rainbow did well, but yeah. it had to chap his ass that you know, Dio was more successful than him, doing the Dio shit, you know. Yeah, <laughs> Dio yeah. just took everything he picked up from being in Sabbath for a couple of years and smashed it together with what he was doing in Rainbow. And that's what Dio was, and it blew up. So mm-hmm. I figure that probably bothered Richie. That so that's why Richie had to get that big check and do that Deep Purple reunion, and then it was all good after that. I can't blame him, man. Fuck, that's <laughs> that's a great record. Yeah, hell yeah. All right. So in closing, power metal is like a genre that we both like like a lot of things about it you know for me i find that some of these guys are some of the most talented guys some of these singers are some of the best singers in metal going right now so um so yeah i mean like i definitely think i could take like most of these bands and if they would just listen to me i could produce like a really great just metal album out of these dudes but you know they're doing their thing and part part of it is 
actually, you know, keeping metal alive with the festivals and with all this stuff that they do in the audience that they get in Europe, which is huge. So it's great, man. I, you know, more power to them. Oh, for sure. I really wanted to go to one of those power metal festivals after watching that. That looked like that shit was fun as hell. If you know the words, yeah. you're drinking like mead and, you yeah. know, it's like a Ren fair but with metal in it. Like, right. And I'm, you know, I'm not a Ren Fair dude. My wife wants to go to one again because she used to be really into Ren Fair. Um, but that's a story for another day. But she wanted, I think half of it, she wants to torment her ex-boyfriend that still does it. But <laughs> Oh, jeez. But uh, she, she misses it, and that was fun. And I'd check it out. But, I mean, it's all, like, cool fantasy shit, and then it's also metal. And then, like, I still think it was funny in that one documentary at the end. They had like that little like marching band going around playing the final countdown. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, that was fun, yeah, really... which I think that's probably my favorite version of that song because I did not like the final countdown. <laughs> oh no! Yeah, that was that terrible. Was the first. I liked it better with flutes. <laughs> right, right, and you know one of those like again like Europe is a band that they liked better in Europe because. They knew all the other songs that they had because they had like a little Inve style kind of guitar player too, you know, and whatever. So they had like a, but we only ever heard that fucking yeah. song, which is just like from everything from a fucking Burger King commercial to fucking, you know, <laughs> every, every fucking thing stupid. Oh, for sure. All right. Well, uh, I think it was a good episode. It was a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, that was probably the most uh, one of the more fun ones we've done yeah hopefully people will dig it and hopefully it'll sound better we got a new mic going on into the mix we're trying to sound better so hopefully you know if you guys have stuck with us through some of the ones that didn't sound so great hopefully we'll be sounding better here for the future episodes so until the next one this is me big frog me mike castleberry and we are out